Poopery, the original before you go toilet spray that has over 100,000 five-star reviews. It's always formulated with essential oils and plant-based ingredients that eliminate bathroom odor before it even begins. It's essential for our home. So many shared toilets with all the smells, plus it's female-founded and a Texas-based company. You know we love that. Yeah. <laughs> plus, if you have any upcoming travel, Poopery 2-ounce and the travel side 10 millimeters are TSA-friendly. The brand Puri also has many additional odor eliminators products for your homes, pets, shoes, and more. Visit www.puri.com for 20% off your first purchase. Just use code Bathroom Chronicles 20. Some Allie Tate. Thank you. So Allie is a friend. She's also a model. Mm-hmm. She's also a permission slip. If y'all check out her Instagram page, what is it? Allie underscore Tate underscore Cutler. She is a permission slip for women to completely embody, accept, embrace every damn thing about themselves. Mm. It is that was a good intro. So beautiful mm. and so potent and so powerful. She will be changing in an Instagram video, telling you what's up from the depths of her soul, and it's epic. Mm -hmm. You're also an RRM coach. And I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? RRM is a tool. It's rapid rewire method. And it is, um, it's a psycho emotional tool to help release stagnant emotion or unwanted identities. It's very complicated to explain, um, Mm -hmm. very simple in process. And we can talk more about it later, but I've been using that modality now to help many, many women release emotions that have been with them pretty much their whole lives. And that's how I'm coming here so neutral now mm. is because I've RRM'd the shit out of myself. So you just said you you are neutral now. How mm. would you have you've shown up prior mm. to the RRM? Um, with like a bag full of stories and just bringing my old, my old shit to every new relationship, every career opportunity, everything that I had previously encountered was bringing old stories with me. So either I'm not enough, I'm not lovable, mm-hmm. I'm too difficult, I'm contrarian by nature, I'm always going to say something that's going to cancel myself. All of these stories that I would just come to every interaction with and it was like constantly playing in the back of my mind. It's like butterflies in my stomach. And now I'm fully coming in and I and I used wow. plant medicine that was amazing, but with RRM I fully am now able to be in my body when I'm talking to you and there's no background Mm-hmm. iOS system that's running where I'm filtering or censoring what I'm saying that mm-hmm. is fully from being neutral about a lot of stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. You would get along with my husband though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her, yeah. Her hottie husband, Bobby. Yeah. I've yeah. heard. Yeah. <laughs> He's a hot man. <laughs> he is. A little pre-talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just, you know, just, you know, that, um, that forward part of yourself, right? Mm. That would push people away is mm-hmm. what I'm hearing mm-hmm. you saying mm-hmm. that it was too much mm-hmm. or, or, um, not exactly the way you wanted to present yourself. Yeah. So this gives you more control. Is that yeah. what I'm hearing? Every person has identities, right? So we all have many, many different identities and some of them are valid and some of them are not useful anymore. We had them for a certain period when we were a kid and then they became unuseful. One identity that you could have is like the victim. So nothing good happens Mm. to me. Everything bad. No one likes me. No, the universe never works out my favor. So we can carry all of these in our subconscious, which is the place we manifest from. And it's also the place where we 
have tangible physical reality show up in response to our subconscious. So when you actually transform those identities in the back of your mind, the way you start perceiving people, the interactions that you have, right? It might've like Kim could have done something two years ago and I've been like, oh, she doesn't like me. I said something, I put my foot in my mouth, you know, whereas now I'm coming and I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter if she doesn't like me or not. Right. It, it, that's not an identity for me anymore. It's not a challenge. It's like energetically neutral. It's just a space that feels like I can just be with what is instead Mm -hmm. of what I'm telling myself about what is. Yeah. Perspective shift. That's powerful. Totally. Powerful. Wow. What's very cool. What's the process of identifying Mm -hmm. and releasing something? Mm -hmm. Um, the process is we need to be able to hear and experience emotions fully to completion. That's it, basically. And we don't do that. But yeah, the my teacher was speaking about how animals don't have PTSD. And the reason we know they don't have PTSD is because they can be attacked by, let's say, a lion and go back to that same exact watering hole tomorrow. If you had PTSD, you would avoid that watering hole. You'd be like, I got attacked here. This brings up painful memories and I'm not going back. But we know animals don't. And the the weird thing that animals do that we don't is let's say after an animal is attacked, it might play dead for some seconds and then it might start shaking convulsively, right? Like it's just shaking and then it's foaming at the mouth. Mm -hmm. And that emotion, that fear, that cortisol is coming to completion in that second and it runs off like nothing happened. But mm-hmm. we, after, let's say we get in a car accident, we're like, oh, I can't lose my shit. I've got, I've got to go out and exchange insurance information. I've got to call the right people. I have to behave a certain way. And so we're not fully letting those emotions come to completion or at the end of a cycle. So then we have yeah. to go back years later and let it come to completion. And if you, you know, he was saying basically every time, if you notice like when you're in a really calm environment, that's when these things start acting up. Like you're at a movie, you're having a good time, you're with friends. Oh, a little bit of anxiety is kicking back. Oh, I'm feeling a little bit of panic. What's that about? And it's the body's way of saying, do you want to process this now? Is this a good time? And we're like, nope, not a good time. Push it down. Nope, not a good time. Push it down. So this allows you to come to completion with that experience so that it's not really an issue moving forward. Yeah, that's that's beautifully said. In the shamanic world, they call it shaking medicine. Mm. And if people could, at the end of a car accident, when their body starts to tremble, Mm -hmm. not think they're losing their mind, instead go, wow, this is the cure, and go with it Mm -hmm. and let them tremble, Mm -hmm. and not let somebody stop them and go, oh my God, stop. No, that's the cure. Yeah. So that's beautiful yeah, that yeah, yeah. you you have a method that's actually rewiring the brain, yeah. the vagus nerve, yeah. the the central nervous system back into relaxation. Totally. Yeah. Wow, that's really powerful. It is I'd really never powerful. heard of that. No, it's it's yeah. so new. And the guy that created the method, um, he was Serbian and he really he wasn't taken seriously by the scientific community, even though he was a psychologist, because he believed in things like entities or outside energetics, things that you know, Western science is like, that's, that's a joke. There's no, there's no data behind that. So they didn't take what he said too seriously, but his tools, when you see them in action with people, even on the stage of people he worked with, these people are having profound trauma release moments from things that haunted them their entire lives that in one moment to the next, it's gone and they don't come back. And I know that I've been doing this a year and a half when the integration happens, it's permanent. Emotions are temporary, but the integration is permanent. Mm. So it's like you don't have that story again. And sure, things might happen down the road and you have to RM the new stuff that comes up. How long did you have to train? Um, The first level, it's about eight months. I'm in the second level now, about eight months. You have to process yourself, other people, and be processed over 90 times per module. 
and you have to attend um, in-person workshops. It's pretty intensive. Yeah, well, that's really powerful because like you said, you're up-leveling yourself so you can actually support the person. Because until you experience it, how are you supposed to like know if that's a good thing that's going on over there? So that's yeah. that's, that's a beautiful method. Yeah. Really powerful. Yeah. Thanks, wow, I feel I'm that way too. excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, I can see how clear you are. Mm. I feel way more clear than I've ever felt in my life. Wow. So that's really nice. It's nice to be interviewed feeling that way too. Glad you showed up. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Amazing. It's so interesting. I can't, I'm hanging on something that you said a little mm. bit by the scientific community mm-hmm. didn't accept him. And that really bumps for me because there's no data on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that that would bump or that that would be considered unscientific mm-hmm. because science is always discovering. Totally. Every day. Yeah. Science is that we don't understand how everything works and we're learning. Science is a curiosity to know more, not a shutting down. Mm-hmm. That's what real science is. Yeah. And it's interesting how it's you're called a science denier when you're curious yeah. about furthering scientific knowledge. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? It's pretty wild. It's crazy. And we've seen that become more intense over the last few years. Um, And what I find interesting about that is that as science grows and becomes more complex, like we have like more tangents of science before, like we have like quantum physics and astrophysics and there's like little fields in each one of those. And as it becomes more complex, the knowledge that we're gathering is literally changing all the time. What worked for one theory doesn't necessarily work for another theory. And so that knowing what we know about science was is that it's um, an interactive dynamic process that literally changes from one day to the next, that we can't question what's going on with the science that we have. It's like it's we know it's dynamic. We know it changes. But like if you question it, you're now anti-science, which science by its actual definition is like questioning it. You're trying to disprove your own hypothesis. That's what science is. That's what it should be. Right. right? That's what it always was until of late. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at its core, that is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's just people are reframing it right now. Yeah. And not buying your reframe people. No, I'm not buying the reframe. Yeah. 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 Anyways, thank you for letting me get that out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I felt you pause. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. So it's interesting because we're friends. We've shared some moments Mm -hmm. together, particularly I met you when you were pregnant Mm -hmm. and you were going Mm -hmm. through a journey with that, a beautiful journey. Is there anything that you want to share there about your process? Yeah. So backstory, I met Kim through a mutual friend and she said Kim would be able to help me when I was going through pregnancy. So I had always been so terrified of giving birth. Number Mm -hmm. one greatest fear of my life, hands down, over burning in a fire or aliens coming down. Like birth was the thing that I am the most scared of. And that's been since I've been about four years old. Um, I used to have nightmares. Yeah. Used to have nightmares that I was like Virgin Mary and like I got pregnant and like I had to be like, I don't know how I've never had sex. I don't know how I got pregnant and I'd have to like deliver the baby. And it was, I just wake up at 3am in cold sweats from thinking about giving birth to a baby. So that has continued until 
now. And when I, um, I, I didn't want to have children for this reason alone. And when I got pregnant, when I was, um, I think I would have been 30 and it was the day after I did Bufo, my husband and I did it together. We got pregnant first time, not using protection, um, very quickly. And I just went into this. I can't tell you how hard it was for me to find out I was pregnant. And I, I knew I was like, I want, I want a child, but the process of getting there is so stressful to me Mm. that the, when I got the positive pregnancy test, I was having full two hour panic attack. I was like shallow breathing, sweating, crying. My husband's like, I thought we, I thought we wanted this. And I was like, the the reality of it sank in that I'm going to have to, at the end of this, there's only one way out. That baby's (laughs) going to come out of me. And like, how, how is it going to come out of me? And so for months I was on the edge of, Mm. do I do this or do I not do this? Crazily enough. I know. And then during this pregnancy, Brooke saw I was in trouble. It's our friend. And she saw I was in a little bit of mental trouble. And she said, come meet Kim. She's done this countless times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, She's done this many times. (laughs) She can make you feel a little bit more comfortable about this. So when you met me, I was in the position of just seeking any guidance that I could from women who have done this before. Mm. How do you feel? How do you get through it? Is the baby's head really as big as a watermelon? How does that squeeze out of your vagina? Is there tearing? How long does the labor process last? Does your water really break and you have to run to the hospital? What are, what does this whole thing look like? I'd never seen birth happen in real life. Mm. Um, Then pregnancy kept getting further and further along. I was getting more excited and, what do you know? The last two days I'd, I'd set on doing a water birth. I was set. I was doing my hypnotherapy. I was doing everything I could to get ready for this. And two days before, um, labor started, I had severe panic attacks and was, I found out that the birth weight of my baby, which I, I know it's like all they tell you it's too big for no baby's big, too big for your, for your body. But when I heard he was going to be 10, maybe 11 pounds, my, my head just started spinning. Mm-hmm. And I, it was really bad. The two days before birth, I was like, I, I want to exit the situation. I want to exit the world. Like I'm not, and I don't want to do this. Wow. So it, yeah, it was super intense. And then finally I spoke to the water birthing center and they were like, if this is stressing you out and it would stress you out less to know that there was pain medication available, like how would that make you feel? And there was definitely shame around that for me. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to do the natural birth. Like I'm, I want to sh- prove to myself that I'm strong enough, that I'm enough of a warrior, that I, I want to go through the portal and everything that this entails. But when I heard, and she was like, how's it feel to have pain medication available? I was like, oh, I feel so much better. Like yeah, I feel yeah. so much better. Like yeah. I just feel like such a deep relief when you say that. And she's like, right, we're transferring you. You're going to the hospital. And all plans changed within the last two days. And I showed up at the hospital. I asked that my angels be there. I asked that anyone who had been with me, any ancestors in the past, be in the room with me Mm. and to make this the most amazing experience. And it actually felt like it was. Mm. And I had an amazing C-section experience, which is crazy. I never thought that was going to be my plan. So, yeah, it it ended really, really nicely. And I got Otis. Aww. You got Otis. Yeah, what a great so name. Thanks. <laughs> How so old is Otis? Otis? He's uh 15 months. Oh, is he yeah. walking and all that wonderful yeah. stuff right now? Yeah, oh. I started walking at a year. He's saying agua and mama, which oh. is super cute. Um, and he is like, he's just like a, he, he has a personality now. 
So <laughs> I just can't imagine having, if I had given into that fear and been like, I don't want to go through birth. You know what? We're good. I don't want kids. If I hadn't had him, he's just mm. like the most amazing thing that I could have ever hoped <clears throat> for in this whole life. They are. Thank yeah. God for the angel that made that suggestion to you because people always ask me if I'm a home birthing advocate. I've had five at home and I'm not. And I always say I'm not because I'm really an advocate of a woman giving birth Mm. where she feels most comfortable. Mm. And you advocated for yourself and you looked at the shame and you advocated for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it feels like such a deeply rooted fear. Like why, you know, it it was the calling of you too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You had mentioned we a little hilarious conversation about the idea of a second. Where are you at with that? Mm. I know that's the question that you're not supposed to ask, but we asked yeah. those questions okay. here. <laughs> We're and in the bathroom. She brought yeah. it up. Um, I think for me, I'm, I'm, I desire a second. I, you know what? I see how having babies is addictive now because <laughs> when when your baby grows to be not a baby anymore, you're like, I just want a hundred more of that, that moment, even though it's like stressful, you don't sleep and there's tons of things that come with that. Like having a baby in your arms and the way they look at you and the the way they touch you and the way they smile at you. I could just see for the next 20 years, just having a baby on repeat. So I told Kim, you know, we, we definitely want a second, maybe a third. I don't know how, where we'll stop. But my concern is like, (laughs) I just don't know if I'm ready to be pregnant again. That was stressful. It was mm. so stressful for me. Well, now you have a new skill. I have a new skill. I know. <laughs> right? I so know. you have a new skill, so you can just like tap yourself to yes. neutral. Yeah. Interestingly, I haven't. That's like my last non-energetically neutral issue, and there's some resistance I have to mm-hmm. going and working on it, um, maybe because it's part of my identity or it's or it's so deeply ingrained, that fear that I can't imagine what it would feel like without it. Mm. Um but that is my next step is to get prepared for birth again to um to to get myself in a space where i'm not like having a panic attack about yeah. the end process it was okay everything was okay you know i i you had got the a baby. beautiful result yeah exactly yeah, and it's... everything was fine yep so i'm hoping that my body remembers that and it's like you can do this again and maybe a little bit less fear would be great. That would make my pregnancy experience so much more enjoyable. Um, But also the thing about being pregnant is you have like two years, right? Where you're pregnant and trimester one's terrible. You felt like I felt horrible the Mm -hmm. whole time. Smells, especially around Austin, like smelling like water. I don't know if you had this, Mm -hmm. like the, the stale smell of some of the water around here. I don't smell it anymore, but when I was pregnant, it was like if I smelled water, it made me hmm. sick. Yeah. Huh. Not nice. It's interesting. Whoa. Yeah. Actually, when I was pregnant with Jeremiah, I had the oddest thing happen. And I I would love if anybody else has had this happen to like write me. I'm very curious. I started using ozone mm-hmm. um, and like bath water because I heard that our water wasn't clean. So I ozonated my bath water a couple times. And I got COVID while I was pregnant and all of a sudden things started smelling like ozone. Ooh. I'm not kidding. Mm. Poop smelled like ozone and watermelon and strawberries and cucumbers and things like 
water things all smelled like ozone. Weird. It was the oddest thing. And it was for months, like nine months. And I only recently had another mother tell me that her child who uses ozone went through the same process. Of smelling ozone everywhere. Of smelling ozone in the same kinds of foods. Like watermelons, cucumbers. So watery things. Water foods. Watery things. And I just found that to be so fascinating. So um, it was interesting. That's actually one of the biggest bummers about Mm. my experience of having Jeremiah is one of my favorite things with a baby is to smell them. It's like to smell their Mm -hmm. baby, sweet baby yumminess. And I didn't. I couldn't smell him. Because he smelled like ozone? He did I just couldn't smell him. Oh. He didn't really smell like ozone. I just couldn't smell him. Oh, because of the COVID. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, wow. Yeah. It Aww. was a Aww. freaking bummer, guys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is, yeah. Yeah. Because that, that is probably top two things yeah, about babies. Exactly. Right. It the is. Smell yeah. and Even the touch their are the top yeah. two. Poop smells good. I know. It's like, yeah. oh it's my like you gosh. don't mind. It's no. Like, no. Everything yeah. is heaven. Yeah. But I also want to say and admit something Mm. to you and to all women. I think a lot of people look at me and they think I can solve all the problems with babies Mm -hmm. and I have no problem and all this confidence. And I do have a lot of knowingness in my body, but there comes a point in every pregnancy where I've gone into a moment of panic Mm. that this Mm -hmm. baby has to come out of me. And I panic. Really? And I'm like, I didn't yes. know this about you. I yes, <laughs> I have a panic moment and I let it pass. And it, it's just happened with every single child. How long does it last for when you have it? A couple of days. And it like when does it of, usually come on? It's like a first, second, or third trimester. Third trimester, mm. like eight months, I start getting really comfortable. Mm. I'm like, this baby's either coming out of my vagina, Mm -hmm. or this baby is coming out surgically. Mm -hmm. Either one is not a comfortable process, you know? It just, and so it's like Mm. pulling the pieces back together Mm -hmm. and calling on that divine sisterhood, Mm -hmm. calling on God, you know, what you did, you called forth all those ancestors and you went into the room, you had your deeply spiritual experience, you called on all your power and that's what we do. And that's one of the beautiful ways that birth births, it it births another part of us, whether it's a surrender of having a surrogate or, you know, it just, there's some part of us that has to surrender. Yeah when yeah. we become a parent yeah, and it's terrifying. The yeah. surrender yeah. can yeah. be very terrifying. Yeah. So I think that surrender part that that's the main part of it, that if you're a person who typically likes control, which is me, that can be the hardest thing about birth because it is wild and unpredictable and uncontrollable. And at the, the heart of it, right. Is a fear of death, right. Which mm-hmm. is a valid fear that many people have mm-hmm. the fear of like losing control and this all ending Um, and I think because I had done Bufo right before I got pregnant, Bufo is five MEO DMT. And I remember when I had done it, um, that was the biggest surrender moment I had ever experienced in my life. And I was really resistant to it at first, which if you try to resist that kind of medicine, the process is so uncomfortable and so painful. And when I 
finally let myself go and I went to that amazing void place, um, it was the best experience. And I came back just like touching my body being like, I am hot. Like I just was like in love with everything. I felt like I came back with like some universal knowledge of like, I had been let in on an inside secret, like or an inside joke somehow. But until that moment, that initial warring with the surrender was the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my life. And so something about that transferred onto pregnancy and birth, Mm. like something about that, like I'm going here and I can't stop it. There's no exit. There's no choice, right? That, that was the thing that got me. There's no choice. Like this baby's got to come out. Mm. Yeah. Like I can't just rewind time and reverse the decisions that have been made. Like it's coming out. And that is what I felt so confined by that. Mm. Like really just like in a corner being like, Oh, like it's coming and it's going to either be cut out or pushed out of my vagina. Like it was just that cyclical, no choice feeling. And I don't like that feeling. Yeah. I'm also curious about how you're like the embodiment of being a model Mm. and the embodiment of being pregnancy Mm. And how was that intersection for you? Mm. Like, yeah. What was the feeling? What, like, did you love yourself? Did you hate yourself? Did you like make peace with it? Like, I'm just curious. Yeah. I think it was for you. I think like with, because I'm a plus size model and have been the entire duration of my career. Um, I had, I got really comfortable, uh, over especially the last five, seven years with my body. And before when I was younger, I was not at all. I was always, I was like a division one athlete. I was a soccer player Mm. and Mm. I was always running and working out, but somehow I was always bigger than everyone else. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. And I struggled so much with like trying to just look skinny. I mean, we all, this is pretty universal story. Many, many women have experienced this, but when I started plus size modeling, I started seeing bigger women who looked absolutely fantastic. Like they Mm. were like stunning Mm. and they were size 14 and 16. Mm. And I think that started to, there's like exposure therapy, like started to kind of rewire my mind where I was Mm. like, Oh, like curvy women can be beautiful. This is all just some bullshit diet industry pop propaganda that I had been buying into. And then, so by the time I'd become pregnant, I was already feeling like totally chill with my body. I still do love my body. Got no issues with it. Um, but when pregnancy came, it felt like a different type of embodiment. Like this is a different thing. Like, it's not like it's, there is another human being in there yeah. and the concept of like, have you seen alien with Sigourney Weaver? No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. a really old movie. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. You should watch it. Sigourney <laughs> Weaver's amazing. Yeah. But like, you know how she like has the alien in her Yes, and like it rips out. Rips out. Yeah. That imagery has oh. like stayed in my head. Like well, I'm you had like to be a little kid when you saw that. I, I was. You were really young because yeah. that was. I mean, I was young when that came out. Yeah, yeah. So I, think wow. I was like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. And that in my head was like the concept of pregnancies. Like there's this oh dang thing like taking your nutrients and like <laughs> fucking like a Paris. I, I know that's so so dark and like, but in the back of my head, if I'm being honest and bring my subconscious to light, yeah, like that is kind of what it felt like. Mm. So it wasn't like. I'm changing. I'm getting bigger. Like, yes, there's all the uncomfortable, like fire crotch, which I had really bad. I was so bad. Um, uh, yeah, that was not, no one <clears throat> talks about that. What, what is that? It's like when you're, you're like the weight is like sinking down on here. So your leg muscles get really tight here. And there's just this burning, there's burning in your mm-hmm. pelvis the whole time. You can't sit down. It won't take it away. You can't lie down. It won't, you stand, you can stretch, but it's just always burning. 
I'm wondering if I've had that feeling that you're feeling. I feel just the discomfort and the pressure, but not burning. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's good because that was, that was the worst part about it. Yeah. Not fun. I never got there. I never dropped. So didn't have to experience that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, wow. Yeah. I think my pregnancy would have been a lot more enjoyable if I hadn't had fire crotch. I don't even know if that's the real name of it, but that's what it, that's felt, what like. it felt like. Yeah. Right? Wow. Um, but yeah, so that whole embodiment of moving from model to mother was more in grappling with like, it's not my body anymore. It's mm. not like it's, uh, there's another thing that's living on it. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's how I felt about breastfeeding. It was mm-hmm. like, I just whip it out because it's like, it's not mine. Yeah. It's the babies. Yeah. It's like, is it really that big a deal? Yeah. With like but, breastfeeding, didn't you feel like so pot at, like you just felt like, I just felt overstimulated because someone always, if it wasn't my husband, this is like TMI, but maybe not. But like, even if my husband wanted to have sex, I'd be like, dude, I cannot fucking take another person touching me right now. You know what I mean? Like, don't touch me. Don't look at me. You know what I'm like? It just, I felt constantly physically stimulated. Yeah. Yeah. I had those moments. I definitely had those moments. I felt like with a lot of my children, I felt like just a cow. Mm -hmm. I felt like Mm. um, a milk machine, but I felt like a cow while I was pumping. So when I had Jeremiah, did not pump. That kid just had me and he Mm. went everywhere with me. And I just- I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I didn't pump. And- I developed a different relationship with it. It was always so special to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. but yeah, that pumping, I was yeah. like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah, it's very cow-like. Isn't I don't it? like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's okay. Time-consuming. Yeah, very you'd time-consuming. have to get up like thirty minutes before the kid, an hour before the kid yeah. would get up to do both sides. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so you'd actually have something. Yeah, yeah. And then your breasts just don't feel like a sexual object anymore. They just yeah. feel like utility. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's what I was talking about. I felt like it wasn't. There wasn't it like a numbness almost like mm-hmm. it's like, okay, mm-hmm. let me know when you're done. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I, know, I went in and out of that actually. Sometimes I actually felt so much sexier mm. to With be thing. in my body. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. just like, hello, yeah. you guys are great. You feed babies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There is that element. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Oh, this is so TMI, but whatever. You can edit we this out if this is We love TMI unless you want us to edit it out. <laughs> My husband might kill me, but I remember there was uh-huh. one time I was, we were having sex and um, the, I don't, I didn't know this, but your boobs start lactating more. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. when you're stimulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it came as a shock to both of us that uh-huh. like, was like, it was like a waterfall and uh-huh. it, I was trying to reframe how, and he was trying to reframe how we were thinking about this and being like, that's the life-giving stuff that's all in bed with us now. So that was a, like a, a definite shock when I learned that, that happens. This is new. Yeah. This is new. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, the nursers, the, the people that have nursed have. Did you just, I just went topless in bed. I never put on the pads and mm-hmm. let myself have milky sheets. Mm-hmm. What did you do? I... So I have an interesting relationship with my sheets. Um, every period I get, I stain them. Ah. Um, and mm. I have been at war with my sheets for 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have like a method where it's like I buy a white sheet. I have OxyClean. I get the stain out at the end of every cycle. That's what I do. Yeah. Um, with the lactation, when I was sleeping at first, I'm, like, I'm just going to fuck it. Like, let, 
let these tits hang out all over the place. And like, it's just going to be what it is. But then every day there was like more and more, like my mattress was wet. Yeah. Like it's like soaks into, and then there's that kind of bittery sour smell of the breast milk (laughs) in the mattress. So at that point I was like, you know what? I'm going to try these training bras. Cause like that, like that's, I don't want to go to bed to that smell. You know what I mean? You know what? I never had that cause I sleep on wool. Mm. And wool repels moisture. Oh. Yeah. Like a wool mattress? A wool mattress. And you and if you don't have it, you can yeah. get a wool mattress topper or like a wool pee pad. And it doesn't get hot? No. Really? The wool is very temperature regulating, whether it's summer or winter. It's going to regulate temperature. It's an insulator. No idea. Yeah. And and basic I get mine from Holy Lamb Organics. Mm-hmm. And you can, it's great for kids too, as opposed to plastic. Yeah. You put a wool pee pad on there and you can dump water on it and just watch it all puddle up. Mm. So what I would typically do is I would take a swaddle blanket and fold it under me and the baby Mm. and whatever milk got on there, I would just take that swaddle blanket out and switch swaddle blankets when I lay back down again. So it absorbed a little bit, but the wool doesn't how do you clean the wool then you don't so with the with the wool you just you take you just pat it dry it all absorbs and if you want you can occasionally hang the wool up in the sun it really repels the moisture you don't like you don't need to and there are people that wash it with a lanolin or something Mm -hmm. like that but it's really not necessary i have never once washed my wool okay yeah. That's yeah, that's wow. a revelation. I didn't know there was a wool pee pad. No. There is. But <laughs> and if you don't and you just have whatever mattress you have, mm-hmm. you can still put swaddles on okay. or something. Okay. I might something. do that next round. Yeah, next round. Yeah. And wow. or also just, you know, get the the pee pad. Yeah. Throw that on there. What yeah. was the name the, of the company you use again? They're a little pricey. Holy Lamb Organics. Okay. Lamb? Holy lamb, lamb, L-A-M-B, organics. Mm-hmm. And I I just love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's I a just good love tip. them. Yeah. yeah. And by the time you have another baby, I'll probably be done with another yeah. pee pad and I can Sweet. give it to give you. Give me your old pee pads. <laughs> yeah. I'll take them. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, somebody should, Holy Lamb Organics, if you hear me, just develop like a smaller square that somebody can put under their sheet because mm. wool isn't exactly the texture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you want to lay on. True. Yeah. And, um, and that's yeah. what I was thinking. Cause I was like, I guess I'm really texture sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, me, the soft queen. Oh Every, yes. Everything has to be soft mm. in my world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. That's why I was wondering how you, are you comfortable on it? But very, I mean, you put a sheet over mm. it. Yeah. You know? Okay. That makes sense to me. If you put a sheet over it. Yeah. 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 I have yeah. these beautiful bamboo, ah sheets yeah you turned me on to those those are incredible yeah yeah it's wolf linen wolf linen linen. w-o-o-f linen okay like a dog amazon oh my god they're they're the best yeah they're incredible yeah so side note my son came and renzo came and stayed with us he's like mom these sheets will you buy me some for christmas i mean (laughs) were they wolf wolf they're the wolf wolf linen yeah Yeah. they're just and julie just came and stayed and she's like where'd you get these sheets like my guest room everybody's in there is like what are these things yeah yeah they're 
I feel they're, like, and they're also temperature regulating. Ooh. Yeah, and they're they tend to be more cool. Yeah, but they're beautiful. Yeah. They're so, uh, they're really great. James it's, is the pickiest guy in the world. I have yeah. literally purchased so many sheets, and thank God for these ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I feel like sheets I never took as seriously before, and mm-hmm. like they're always kind of the last thing you want to spend money on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. just like not a sexiness about it. But until you try these. <laughs> until you until you try like amazing sheets, then you just get it. You're like, that's that's a place I spend a lot of my time. So I want when you're surrounded by like plush, soft linens and like cashmere's wools, there is something different about your sleep experience. Like mm-hmm. it feels like a, a, a ritual at that point when you have nice sheets. I need to, I need to, you've convinced me I'm going to yeah. get nice sheets, get nice sheets. And I feel that way when the mattress material is natural mm-hmm. and my pillow is natural. I feel like I'm sinking into the earth mm, for yeah. a slumber mm. and just the frequency feels yeah. so good. So mm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> now I'm ready for bed. I know. When Allie arrived, I was literally laying outside the bathroom cabin yeah. on the deck. Yeah, just you were. Get my grounding on. Yeah. 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 So tell us more. You have been on such a body journey, and I just love everything that you share on Instagram so much. Can you just share some of this inner wisdom with us that you have? Okay. Yeah. Everyone looks at me and follows me on Instagram for my body positivity, body journey, all that stuff. What I think is really important to note is that loving your body is not the end of the road. Mm. It's a stepping stone Mm. to the next most valuable lesson. And that's to the next most valuable lesson. But really loving your body is that step one of being able to think hold, embody things that are so much more important than the body, than the aesthetic, if that makes sense. Everyone's focused on being skinny, looking good, being toned, anti-aging, all this stuff. And I think it's valuable to surpass the body and to move to other important lessons, important values, important beliefs, ways of thinking about the world, thinking, not, not getting upset about the five pounds extra I have on my bingo wings on my arm, but, but to be like, okay, financial literacy, that's important to me. Now what energy and time have I saved not thinking about the five pound bingo wing and I can focus on Mm. accruing wealth for my children, Mm. stock markets, crypto, let's learn about it. That, that time that you, you save from not thinking about your body as like a little organ meat that you can nip and tuck and get to perfection you just have so much other, so much energy to mm-hmm. give to other projects that are valuable, that have longevity, that have a high ROI, big return on investment, nip tucking everything and analyzing all the wrinkles and the, I've got acne on my booty and cellulite, like that just doesn't have a very high return on investment. And you're always going to find something new that's going to not be enough, right? There's no, the body can't ever be perfect. I don't, I don't know that that exists. So for me, this has been a journey and a tool of finding the things that are my mission, my values, and and making sure that that's no longer where my mental energy is going anymore. Well, I have a question for you. Mm. Was there ever a time when you were uncomfortable in your body? And if so, how did you make the transition mm. to where you are now in being it not being a thing anymore? Yeah. Yeah. There was absolutely pretty much my entire childhood. Yeah. I was uncomfortable in my body. 
really, I remember so many comments that were made about it. I was always just bigger, taller, bigger boned than other children my age. So, I mean, I literally in high school, it's funny to me now. And like, I, I'm sorry, trigger warning, whatever. But I remember in high school, people used to say, um, used to call me Shrek (laughs) and I was not fucked up. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, I had a soccer uh, initiation and like I joined the varsity team and you have to get initiated, you know, and those like old school ritual things. And they dressed me up like Shrek and I had to go in front of the whole school and be like this thing that I was like so nervous people thought of me and be witnessed as that by the whole school. Everyone I knew, all my community, all my peers. I'm I a little mortified. You yeah. Kim's face. I know it's fucked up. Like, I know. That's like, what? Yeah. And you obviously went along I with it. I leaned into it. I okay. was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to be the best Shrek. I'm going to okay. go and lean into character and I'm going to make people laugh. And of course it's a self-defense mechanism yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Like I'm, I chose this and I'm the funny one and, mm-hmm. you know, really leaning into that. But there was like, just always comments on my, I was always taller than the boys, bigger than the boys. So I just remember feeling pretty much my entire childhood, just like, this is, I have the worst body ever you know, and, Mm. and going through periods of anorexia, orthorexia, bulimia, and trying to find a way to just look like the quote, normal other high school kids. And all of them were struggling with their own body issues too, at the same time. doesn't matter how skinny or perfect I thought they were. It doesn't matter the size. Everybody's got it it going on. Yes. Really. Um, and so for me, when I, when I truly left that behind, I think plus size modeling has been, Ooh, this is a good one. This just came to me. One of the biggest things that helped me was doing nude shoots. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the first time I did one was with a world famous photographer called Rankin. And I remember my agent was like, you booked, you booked this nude shoot with this, like, it's going to change your career. And I just remember quivering in my boots being like, I don't think I can do this. This is humiliating. I don't want to be seen by everyone. And when it came the moment, it was like there was there was quite a few people on set and I was sitting on this plastic chair and I was like fully naked and I was horrified at first. But then when the camera started clicking, something about it was like, you know what? I don't have any secrets anymore. Like, wow. no, there's not like everyone knows what it is. Mm. Like everyone can see everything. And so the, mm. it just felt like there was nothing left to hide. Oh, liberation. Totally. And the wow. more nude shoots that I did, I did one for ID magazine. I remember just at, that was like my fourth nude shoot. And I was like living in it. Like I was giving. I, can I feel was, it. Yeah. Like, wow. I was like all over the place, legs open, like butt showing, like everything. It was all over the place. And it was, it just felt like I had let go of that like fear of being fully seen and being like, I was scared of being called fat or whatever it was. And people seeing that about me and calling me, was like the worst fear at now there was nothing. Yeah. So what, like, you know, I remember Mm -hmm. there was a guy behind me with a light for one of the nude shoots I was doing. And he was like this close to my butt with a light, like angled in a very like editorial artistic way. And I just remember cracking jokes and thinking, wow, like how far have I come? I'm sitting here full badge out and have no, I feel really good. I feel really wow. like embodied and like I feel goddess like. So I think nude shoots were super helpful for me to overcome that. But also just seeing other women who mm-hmm. were size 14, 16, 18, and they looked amazing. 
They look super hot. I would bone them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I, I could be this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. I love that. I love the embodiment of our bodies, right? Mm. It's, I mean, that's always been my work. Like I'm out of, you know, I'm out in outer space a lot. And mm. it's always about getting in the body. And then when I get in the body, I start to judge it. Mm. So it's, but that comes with, I think the territory, all of us. And it's always about making peace, mm-hmm. especially with the aging process. And it's like, okay, where do I feel like my best self? Yeah. And it's always like, it's a riddle. Yeah. You constantly keep unraveling and go, well, I didn't know I felt that about myself. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know I, th- you know, yeah. and with each decade comes a new unraveling. Yeah. So it's a, it's a never for me, it's a, you know, it's always a process yeah. of self-acceptance yeah. or yeah, some, some nugget waiting to be sure. found. Yeah. In fact, I'm going this weekend to, um, I'm a, as a participant, a, a women's sexuality and empowerment mm. uh, workshop for Fun. women. Yeah. And I'm going with um, three of my soul sisters, yeah. And I had, two of us had invited our daughters and then my daughter's 24. She's like, who's already rocking her body, loves her body, showed up that way. Just like, you know, this yeah. is who I am. And <laughs> in fact, you know, just would, would just own it mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and, and would be able to walk down the street in her fullness mm. without it being, um, I don't know. She, she just, she didn't shy away from her body. Yeah. She felt really embodied. And so she looked at the literature and she's mm. like, you know, mom, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that I want you to spend that much money. I don't know that I really need that. I'm like, you know what? Check the box. You really don't. Yeah. I want the time with you, but you really don't need this. Yeah. You, you came in, yeah. you know, fully prepared, mm. owning who she is, mm. which I love that about her. I learned so much from her about her ability just to self-acceptance and this is who I am and then to be able to to own it and, yeah. and dress how she wants to dress and to, to feel how she wants to feel in her skin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. I have a really interesting question um, because I've been thinking about this a lot the last two weeks. So I don't know, did, if you, did you guys see the Madonna pictures from the Grammys where like, you know, it went viral. She had like overfilled a lot of her face and all that. Yeah. So I've been really thinking about like what, what is too far? Because we we talk about aging with grace, right? We talk about this being damaging to younger people to see the Kardashian style, overfilled faces, Brazilian butt lifts, all that kind of stuff. But yet in, in some ways we alter ourselves all the time, right? Like we get like facials, we do our hair, we get tattoos, we get piercings, we might use laser or LED light or different things. And my question is like, is there a line and like what becomes, what, what goes too far when we're talking about the aging process? Mm-hmm. We all want to feel beautiful as we yeah. age, right? And there's yeah. nothing, there's no shame. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's begs the question of like, at what point now when we're going to the Madonna level style of alterations, right? Yeah. Body and alterations. My generation, it was Joan Rivers. Like yes. she was getting facelifts at 80, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, when she died, she looked like, you know, a mannequin. Yeah. You know, but I, for myself personally, I think it's a very personal question. Mm-hmm. I think that you don't know until you arrive. Mm. That's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. You don't know how you're going to feel. It's really easy when you're 30 to judge somebody who's 60, mm-hmm. but get to be 60 and then see how you feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, I've really, as I've aged, I've really earned, learned not to judge. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've earned it too, yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, 
do I think some of that's attractive? Is that something that I would do? No. Mm. But I also don't want to judge somebody who feels the need to mm. do that. Sometimes it's creative expression. It's like, well, I'm doing it because I fucking can do it. Yeah. Right. I've got the money. I've got the time. I've got the resources. So I'm going to play with myself. I'm yeah. going to see how that feels. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's fine. I think as a mother, our job is to teach in our children. And that's the one thing I'd like, you know, I really pride myself in with my kids was always accepting their bodies and always accepting food as they ate it. Mm. Like, you know, listen to your tummy, are you full? Then stop. Right. So I think, you know, moving away from my bad habits of emotional eating. Mm. Right. And so I think just owning where you're at and then letting them see those things out there and say, if you want that, let's explore the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a healthy exploration when somebody, when a child brings this question forward or wants to have about it, and I think that what's good for one child is not good for the other child. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, it's a very individual thing, yeah. and, um, and I never shut anybody down about their conversation around it. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I understand. It, there, I understand there's I, not too long ago... Um, I just had somebody close to me really, really upset about just what was going, like all of this, the fillers. I think it was about Madonna. Like what's wrong with people? Why can't they just like accept their wrinkles? Yeah. Not everybody can. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. It, you know, or everybody wants to, or people want the inside to match the outside mm-hmm. or, or, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love using frownies. And I put them oh, the right stickers. here. The stickers. The stickers. I don't do fillers or any. I've no, I don't do anything. I've never but heard of frownies. They're frownies like stick right here, and I find that they release tension in my face. And it's a sticker. They have them for all of. They have under eye frownies. Yeah. They have middle. Yeah. They have a whole face frowning. It just sticks. Yeah. You sleep with it, what? and then you pull it off. So. There's for hmm. me. They're I think collagen building. They're amazing. Yeah. Oh. They're amazing. Um, but I like TheraFace. I have a TheraFace. Do you have one of those? Uh, the TheraFace Pro? No. It's got all the things in the it. The microcurrent? Um, it has microcurrent. Mm-hmm. I think it has microcurrent. Yeah. And it's got the LED lights. It's mm-hmm. got the, mm-hmm. the, and that's the thing I use yeah. every day. Yeah. I love, love that LED thing. Light. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, you have to take care of yourself. You just do. If you want to look a certain way. Yeah. There's some people that just don't give two shits. And they're like, this is how I am. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you feel good about that. And for those of us that want to feel a little bit better and we do like, you know, a pro face thing, you know, then it's like, we all have to feel good in our body. I think that's the, that's where I'm at with it. And I just don't like all the hating. Mm -hmm. Well, for, for me, I have a different relationship with it. My relationship with it is what's your relationship to your body Mm -hmm. and what's the body communication here? So you could look at makeup, putting on makeup as a form of covering up, yeah. mm-hmm. or you can utilize makeup as a form of artistic, mm-hmm. creative expression. I love playing around with my eyes mm-hmm. and what my eyes look like, and I love looking at them, and I love appreciating them, yeah. and I love to see my lashes, and I'm having more fun with makeup than ever, and also... I'm now willing to get on Instagram without a drop of makeup on and bad lighting and just say whatever the heck I need. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a relationship to my body now that I feel is the most positive it, it's ever been. And mm-hmm. I'm 41 years old. And I would say for anybody, it, there there is a version that's unhealthy. Mm. And it's the version where you're not asking your body for Mm -hmm. permission. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to do an alteration and Mm -hmm. you have permission from your body, 
that's healthy. It's a healthy exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just had a woman come on that went through a very healthy process of getting breast implants. Mm-hmm. And she went through a very healthy body process of communication to get an explant surgery. Mm-hmm. And there are women that have implants and their body says, thank you for whatever form of expression this is. I feel great. I feel sexy. And some people feel sexier without them. Mm-hmm. But also there it is the season. We move through different points of life in how yeah. our relationship with the, with our body mm-hmm. is. And I think that for me as a mom with my children, it's like what feels honoring to you in your body and just recognize what doesn't mm-hmm. and move from that place. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, that's really, and you're reminding me of a client that I had that was, had her first, um, like full face facial plastic surgery at 24 mm-hmm. and had a second one at 28. And I was talking to her at 32 and she changed it for her boyfriend he didn't like her nose. He didn't like her eyes. He didn't like her lips. He didn't like, so she changed her entire face to, you know, this man was willing to pay for it. So she would look different. Mm -hmm. And by the time she got to me, she was having me pick the surgeons to do the next surgery. And I'm like, girl, like, stop. Like you just like, you need to stop. I'm not Mm going to counsel you in this because Mm -hmm. you're, you're avoiding the ownership of who you are mm-hmm. and you're giving it over to the boyfriend mm-hmm. and to the surgeons. And she was never happy. Like no matter like, and I, you know, and I called her out and I said, no matter what the surgeon does, you're prone to un- unhappiness and you hate yourself. And until you fix that, yeah. there's no amount of plastic surgery yeah. that you're going to be happy with. And you can keep going back and chasing these surgeons yeah. and suing them yeah. for this m- milligram or milli- whatever yeah. point being off of what you thought it was going to look like. Right. And, you know, she was just so deeply, deeply in pain. Yeah. And and so for those people and those reasons, absolutely not. Totally. You, you need you need a good therapist yeah. and move through what you need to move through. Yeah. And then from that place that Kim's speaking to, what's honoring of your body, mm-hmm. then you can go ahead and say, okay, I choose to do this or mm-hmm. I choose to do nothing. Mm-hmm. But not from that place of wounding yeah. where you're trying to people please and get the attention yeah. to make you feel good externally yeah. when you don't feel good internally. Totally. So this, absolutely, this you have to like, do the internal work yes. first. And when yeah. I when I brought up the Madonna thing, and I'm also thinking of all the other people in the public eye that we see all the time who come out with either different noses or buccal, whatever that's called, buccal... Um, the, all the rage right now. You know what I'm talking about? The buccal fat pad removal here. Wow. Huh, what? Oh. No. We're, oh, this is we're like, out of the loop on this one. This is fashion. Like if you are a supermodel right now, you have had the buccal fat transfer. Isn't Wait, that crazy? What? Wait, what do you they, mean? They put it in your face or no, take it out? They suck out the fat from right here under your cheeks. Oh God. I can think of like tons. Courtney Cox did it. Um, what? Bella Hadid, like all of the top. So they're- It's like that. It's like the skeletal- Why don't they just suck it in where they- they could, but like, I guess they want to like look, look like that all the time. They do. But like this question wow. is like what I, what I'm seeing done and I'm no stranger to, you know, cosmetic enhancement. I think it's inherently a neutral thing, right? It's the energy we're bringing to it that makes it positive or negative. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing is all of these people get this stuff done and show up in the public eye. And it's really effective. I mean, the, the, the percentage of people who are getting cosmetic enhancement now is over 50% more than what it was about 10 years ago. And it's because we're seeing all these people 
go into the public eye, look amazing and flawless. And we want to look like them. But the issue is there's an underdiagnosed emotional, spiritual crisis going on where people are going into the plastic surgeons, becoming their therapists and being like, fix me so that I can feel better on the inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's not how it works. Right. And there's a root cause issue, like exactly what you were talking about, which is, can I find a way to love myself as I am? And then from there, sure. Do I want to get a nose job? Okay. Or do I want to put fillers in my face, whatever. But there's Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, the people I'm seeing and the, who are choosing and electing to do this, the underlying emotion isn't always coming from that place you mentioned, which is in honor of the body. It's, it's, I want to get out of my body because I hate myself so much and I want to change it. I want to change it on the outside. Mm -hmm. So get me out of it. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I'm seeing. And I, I always wonder like, this is such a nuanced issue. Like what, where's the line? Why, why is Madonna getting criticized so hard, but Kim Kardashian's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. get where that that's, line that's is. That's really interesting. That's people, really, people are judging what the result looks like mm. as opposed to the process. And mm. honestly, I understand judgment. And in sisterhood, we just need to really just be there for each other. Yeah. And we all have our own unique processes. At one point, I was like, do I want implants? Like, I know a lot of people that a lot of friends, they're getting a little suck suck here Mm -hmm. and putting a little bit up here. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that would be nice. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I looked in the mirror and I was like, you know what? No, no, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. And I got very clear. If I get older, older and have this right here, (laughs) I maybe won't accept that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, maybe I'll get a little change there. Yeah. And, but I don't know, maybe I will have a body talk at that moment if I get that Mm -hmm. and check in, be like, yeah, you know what? You're good, girl. Mm -hmm. I don't like these little fat pads that I've had here forever. Mm -hmm. And also thank you for showing me that I need to flush out my kidneys, you know? So it's like, our body is such a yeah. communication system mm-hmm. and we just need to communicate mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just why I have so much reverence for you mm. because really every time I go again onto your Instagram page, I have a permission slip to go deeper in to self-love. It's awesome. Mm. Thank you. I received that. Yeah. Also, I think we're winding down, mm-hmm. but we have a segment that we do sometimes called Ask Peggy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. but she is a divine channeler. And so this is her day job. Okay. And if you have any questions, now's the time to not have to pay for her advice. Oh my God. <laughs> this is so exciting. <laughs> um, this is a little heavier, but I want to know. The like... <laughs> the cosmic cycles that we're in and what the universe and the world is experiencing right now feels really heavy. Mm -hmm. And I want to know when are things going to feel lighter and better? When are we going to like, when is it going to stop feeling like we're on the brink of world war three and like the reptilians are coming down? Like when is that energy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you just want to ask a little question, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 I got to know. 
Well, they're bringing me all the way back to where we entered many years ago into the Aquarian age, and we shifted into the Aquarian age energetically. And what that means is that was the breaking down of systems and the revealing of secrets. Mm -hmm. So we're in that Aquarian age where everything is being broken down in front of us. All structures are being broken and all secrets are being revealed. Mm -hmm. So that's why everything is like out in the open that never used to be out in the open. Mm -hmm. So until there's... Um, and, and then with that, there's a rapid advancement of consciousness simultaneously happening with that. And so until we all collectively align with this new consciousness, this other society that's trying to break down and that's still like rearing its head until the, until the it drops over here to the other side, like that, what do they call it? The hundredth monkey where it falls over. And then we're all like up this consciousness upgrade. Um, we're still in the struggle. So what, what does that mean? It means that our job is as an individual is to let go of the old programming inside of ourselves, let go of the old structures inside of ourselves, let go of the duplicity inside of ourselves and really become a level up to honesty, to self-awareness, to lack of judgment, to um, like self-acceptance and self-love for everybody. And that's our inner work. And as we do that, then the outer world will change and we won't have to have World War III to wake our consciousness up, to take us down into the throes of humanity. So my sense is, is these next like 18 months um, to two years is just this like mushrooming that's happening. And at the end of that, then I think you'll see a settling Mm -hmm. like, you know, so, but it feels like this next 18 months to to, two years is going to be still this like leveling up and then more of like then the dust settling and see kind of where we are. But um, the, the biggest thing we can do, you know, we can fast forward these timelines by not being judgmental, mm-hmm. by loving ourselves, mm-hmm. by then projecting out and, and loving you and loving all of you and your mm-hmm. choices, no matter where you are, right? And and seeing that as a reflection of myself. And the more that we can do that, and that's like the ripple effect that can happen everywhere, this can be, be done so much faster. All of a sudden, the right person can talk to the right person, talk to the right person, and peace happens. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're all responsible for the chaos in this world. Even though we're removed from it, we're all responsible for it mm-hmm. because it's chaos inside of us. Mm-hmm. So we will slow down and start to look inside and go, okay, where did I fuck up today? Where, where am I holding myself or holding somebody else responsible for something that I did? Where am I not taking responsibility for myself? we like all those starts of things and then move into self-love instead of self-judgment. Mm-hmm. That changes the feel, that changes, that that drops peace, that brings in family harmony. And all of that ripple effect, nobody, reptilian, as you say, nobody can can touch that because we have self-love. So then that just starts to go around. Mm -hmm. So I think the sooner we all level up internally, Mm -hmm. the faster that will happen. But I I think on its own, left unattended, you know, it feels like, well, unattended, it's going to be longer. It's going to be like, like all of my teeth are hurting. It's root energy. Mm. So, you know, then you're moving out to like four or seven years, but on, on the short side, it feels more like a 18 months to two years sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I remember a client asked me many years ago, like, what did I see for the future? She said, who are going to be the superpowers? Where are the problems going to be? And I remember telling her, Russia and China are going to come mm-hmm. together yeah. and create a problem. And that was seven years ago. And she's like, when? I said, in seven years. And it was like, Holy, like, like I had that download the other day that I had that. And so what has to happen to like not have this is we need to like build up our 
capacity to have peace and to accept other countries as being not um, no longer allowing ourselves to be the superpower that we were, but being the invitation for for communication and resource sharing. It doesn't. It shouldn't be the collective anymore. But at the same time, everybody gets an opportunity to be able to show themselves, right? Mm. And I think that's not what's happening. I think people are being pitted, countries are being pitted against each other. There's, it's just such a, yeah, like I can't mm. even go there. My whole mouth starts to yeah. shrivel up. But, it, you know, at the, at, at the minutia, it's inside of us and working in our side, our family unit. Mm -hmm. And the world is a family, external expression of what's going on, the mm -hmm. internal family. So we need to all like level up our families yeah, and level up the discord that's going on in our individual family and lean in. And when we do that, we'll see the world change externally out with these powers. But, you know, there's, there's a lot between here and there. Mm -hmm. mm, I love that answer. Thank you. I, and I especially agree with, um, like, I, I kind of feel like there's, just to go off the back of that, like there's kind of different timelines going on right now too. And like if we, if we up level ourselves, it might look like 18 to months to two years for that. But then for the world that's just going about business as normal as usual, like it could feel longer, but maybe yeah. not to the people who are in the different timeline. I don't know if that makes sense, but my last question for you, um, and this is more personal. What's, what's my next right move? I mean, you have so much to share. You have some, like I see you writing. Mm. I, you have so much to share and you have so much to create, but I see you writing. So I don't know if you're working on a book or something, but that's what I see you doing. Are you working on a book? Uh, I have been for the last three years about cancel culture and my experience with it and have been sitting on it because I'm too scared to publish it. It's time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the book. The book because, because that is part of waking up people to these, this Aquarian age of recognizing structures that have been, that no longer work, that have been holding secrets and that are lying to us to now being able to have clear vision and to be able to see our own consciousness and to be able to, to recognize what no longer works to this is the new reality. And that, Part of that cancel culture is helping people see the old structure mm -hmm. that needs to be broken down. Mm -hmm. Because that old structure is coming from a power structure yep. where it's corporations and a few small of elitists own everything and everyone. And the whole Agenda 2030 thing, mm -hmm. if you don't know about it, go look it up. Mm -hmm. If you can actually even find it online. <laughs> And they have a website. They have a website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but that's a whole awakening for people to see there is an agenda and and on the surface it looks like it's beautiful, mm -hmm. but underneath it it's rotten. Mm -hmm. And things like your demonstration of factual information that's like, listen, this is my experience, this is what I've seen, this is what I've witnessed, this is what I've experienced, mm -hmm. is important for your generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. And you're a voice of your generation. I wasn't expecting the answer to write, so I'm going to have to go have, have a word with myself later, but thank you. That was awesome. Well, it's at the end of the day, I always tell people, don't believe me, just listen, what did it land mm -hmm. right with you? Mm -hmm. 
And if it didn't land right with you, then let me know, because that means one of two things. Either I'm wrong, which I can be wrong, or there's a moment that, you know, when you say, I don't quite get that, then I can go into that and then we can both learn from it. We can either get that, wow, this is why it's right. You can have this aha moment or I can see, oh, no, I am wrong because I was reading it like this and you've already made a decision about that. And that's why I'm wrong. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Nobody's 100% right in this business. So trust your instincts. (laughs) But did you come into this world with these gifts or has this like developed over a period of time? Um, you know, I came in super sensitive Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and my first kind of experience was in sixth grade Mm -hmm. and I, this, I knew this boy wanted to talk to me and that he, um, wanted me to be his girlfriend. And so in that moment I was, I was going to have to tell him we're just friends and the fricking sky opened up behind him. And I literally saw like another timeline and I'm like, oh my God. And he looks like that. And then, and then I just launched into, do you know what? You're going to move to the North and I'm going to move to the South and you're going to marry a beautiful blonde girl. And I'm going to marry a tall, dark guy from the East. And we're both going to have great lives. And the bell rang and he looked at me and we walked in and he never, he never said anything again. And years later, he sent me an email like 20 years later. And he said, Hey, I know everybody in town thinks you're weird, <laughs> but I want to tell you back in sixth grade, you said this to me, and I want you to know, I moved to Michigan, I married a blonde, you told me wow. I would work with farm equipment, and I did. You moved to Florida, you said you were going to move to a warm climate, you did, you married a guy who was dark. Like, I predicted our futures, and I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember going back and looking in the mirror and going, how did I do that? Like, that was so cool, how do I get the sky to open up again and see that timeline? And then I just forgot about it and let it go. Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, another decade later before I started having a lot more things. And it just progressed. It, it wasn't until I was 38 that I really, like, embraced it. Before that, it was all moments and then not fun moments where I really mm-hmm. ran from it. So right. it's it's under the surface for everybody. Yeah. And I think the more that you lean in, obviously, the stronger mm-hmm. it gets. Yeah, mine shows up more as like um, a, a feeling in my body, like mm-hmm. a sense. I don't see visions. I don't see the skies opening up. But I feel, I can feel like in my body, there's like a this way and a this way. Mm-hmm. And like lean into which one feels right. And usually it ends up being right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, you is. also have what I call the divine knower. Like you just know mm. what to do then. Yeah. And your clairvoyance could actually open up mm. if you wanted it to. Mm. It's just like, you're so damn busy. It's like, I don't really need to know. There's a part of you like, I really don't need to know. Yeah. Like, let me stay right here. Yeah. But there'll come a time when you'll want to develop that more fully. Yeah. 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 I think so. I, well, you're really creative. And so when you're really creative, it's right there anyway. You're yeah. just not, you're just not choosing to kind of look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I can choose to look at it for a little sure. Bit more. Yeah, just ask for it to, to okay. see. Okay, just yeah. as long as I'm not seeing like any thing. I don't like. I don't well, want to see any entity type well, stuff. Well, listen, if you see an entity type stuff, yeah. just go. See ya. Bye. Yeah. Right. Don't react to it. Yeah. Like it's not a big deal. It's just you know, it's just information. Yeah. You treat it like it's just information, then it has no power over you. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I did clear an entity from my house here. I know we're winding up. That's no, a no. I actually remember you telling mm-hmm. me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I just re. I was just doing another get ready with me video, and I was talking about what the experience was of clearing this from my house and kind of relived it again. And mm-hmm. um, that was my first ever experience seeing something not of this plane. And look at you survived and you were able to release it, get yes. rid of it. So yes. there's nothing to really be afraid no. of. You can handle it when you see it. That's true for all of us. Yes. That, that is exactly what I learned. And I also like 
really stepped into the, the action of sovereignty that mm. nothing really has power unless you say it has power, like truly in like the most factual specific terms of that. And when I thought this thing was going to hurt me, yeah. um, you know, just, just really engaging with like, you are not, you are going to leave. Like, there's nothing that you can do to me. Like that mindset was the thing that now I've not had an experience for a year, a, a year, eight months since this happened. That's exactly what it takes. Mm. When, when I was 24, I was in bed and I saw a, a shadow on a wall and the drawer, drawer was opening and closing. Mm. I literally thought somebody broke into my apartment. I was mm. home by myself. And back then I slept naked, grabbed, grabbed the blanket off the bed, ran to the door. Actually, I just ran to the door and my heart's pounding like, okay, nobody's following me. So I'm going to, I'm going to face my fear. I'm going to walk back in there. And I took like two steps and I heard the biggest, deepest growl. And I'm like, what the, grabbed the blanket off the couch, ran downstairs, banged on the neighbor's door, let me in. They called the cops, came upstairs, nothing in my apartment. I went and stayed at a friend's house for three nights. I came back and then the door wouldn't open and the door opened and nobody's there again. I spent the next night there. I came back again and, and all the, the mirrors, um, uh, the, the sliding glass doors. And as I was talking on the phone, they started to like clear and I'm like, what the heck? And then I just got mad. Yeah. I got mad. Yeah. And I went, you know what? I'm not leaving. Yeah. This is my home. Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and <laughs> to quote the church I used to go back to with, with Risa when she was a little girl, the cheerleading camp, God is in control. And I was like, God is in control. Get out of my home. Right. And it left and it never came back. And I was like, that's it. I, and, and for a long time, I would focus on the dark and say all these prayers because I could feel it and I could see it and all that stuff. And I realized that's exactly what it wants. It wants attention. I'm not giving it attention. Yeah. So I put all my attention to God and to love. Yeah. And it doesn't bother me anymore. And when I see it, it's like, whatever, you know? Yeah. And I release it. I yeah. call in an angel, Archangel yeah. Michael or Jesus and have it be gone. Yeah. So, you know, you, these are things that are just coexist. We always coexist in light and dark and not to be afraid. And yeah. I love that you stood up to it mm-hmm. and you didn't do need outside help. Mm-mm. I mean, other than, you know, I did hire, yeah, I did hire a medium and another, uh, one of her friends who's, is, is a wizard and I didn't find, I still felt the presence there. So I, I did put it on external sources initially. And then when it kept coming back and when it started going into my baby's room oh. is when that, that anger that you just explained, that's the thing that I think did it. I was just like, if you fucking touch my child, I will come over there in your world and kill you again. Like I was enraged. Yes. And I just remember standing there naked, holding my baby. And he kept looking into a corner of the room. Can you feel all that energy pouring in? Totally. Yeah. I was just like, that was what I needed instead of cowering in fear under my blankets. I needed a little bit of rage that like alchemizing rage to be like, you are going to fucking leave my house now. Yeah. And when I zipped up whatever portal it was that was at the end of the hall, I still, I not had an experience again. So I think that that anger was a. You zipped up a portal. I did. Let's just sit with that for a minute. Mm. You zipped up a portal. Yeah. You zipped up a portal. I zipped up a portal. You just knew to zip up a portal. That's what I said. You're knowing. Yeah. There's a portal there. Yeah. You got to close it. Yeah. It was almost That's like so I powerful. could feel it. And I was like, whatever. Well, you yep, did I feel it. All the way to the Body ceiling. wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Body That's wisdom. powerful. Yeah. And that, that bitch better not come back ever. Well, and it, it, whether it would or not, you're 
ready to go. Ready to so, go. Yeah. So ready to handle once, it. once they know you're ready to go, it's like they don't bother anymore because mm-hmm. they like to go to people who are scared mm-hmm. and who cower. Yeah. So you can yeah, put a lock on really it good. and then you can have the whole portal disappear. Yep. That's what I did. I put a lock at the top of it, the top of the zip. Send it to Pluto. Yeah. The other side of the moon. Is that what they say? Dark side of the dark moon. side of the moon. Yeah. 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 Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you never know what you're going to find in a bathroom. No. <laughs> Truly. True. Yeah. Truly. There's another story there. We won't go into it. Okay. Also true. Maybe later. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming Thanks for on. coming. Thank you. This yeah. is a pleasure. Yeah, you guys are both is... wonderful. Hmm. As are you. Yeah. Shiny, glorious, radiant faces. I got to just stare at hmm. with the nice light coming onto you. Likewise. Can't re- yeah. wait to read the book. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Let you know. Yeah. Ooh, let us yeah. know. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me.